The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of Sage Digital and any of our sponsors. Let's go! Alright everybody, welcome to the 107th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, here in Rip City, and I got my man... Sage, kicking it live and direct in snowy southern Oregon. Man, it has been damn near two weeks since we podcasted together. It it feels right that we're doing this uh, tonight, man. I had to deal with so much computer problems and stuff, so I'm happy to be recording and hanging out with my best bud did those two weeks feel like an eternity for you sage yeah man it was a it was a lot of it was a lot of man i wish i could talk about this on the holy backboard lucky for me and like the dash radio listeners like i i essentially recorded a holy backboard uh we did the throwback thursday for everyone on dash radio but uh i had to i had to do like the the special edits for like the Brandon Rush signing, and then I talked about the Warriors game. So I actually did a podcast last week, but I ha- I had to let the homie just chill because you you're, you've been a busy man. You're on your busy grown up shit. Yeah, we had the company retreat, so we had all of the the the, the remote um, employees in town from Atlanta and DC, and you know got to have some company time. So you go out happy hour. <sighs> And we go to Mount Hood on Thursday and Friday. Your boy got pretty drunk, <laughs> so you know I had to pretty drunk. Oh, I was, I was, it was, it was a good, it was a good drunk. Uh, definitely take advantage of that open bar when it is there, and uh, it was good to kick it with with the work crew. Um, I love love hanging out with the team, and you know it's fun find yourself a job where you enjoy coming into work every day and it won't feel like work i know that sounds cliche and corny as fuck but truer <laughs> words have never been spoken yeah man uh yeah uh, i i'm just happy to be with you right now talking talking blazers man and a lot has happened over these two weeks so i know you said you may have talked about the warriors game but it didn't really count unless oh no 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 I, I gave like a three minute recap about the the Warriors game and the All Star. You know that the the people that listen to this show deserve you talking about it, not my summed up version of events. And then, yeah, yeah, the people the people deserve better than my rushed, uh, you know, me rushing to analyze the game just so I can get the the show out for for. Dash Radio. And in, in true Blazer fashion, after that forgettable 0-3 road trip, Portland has now won 5 of 6. And they have all been impressive wins in their own way. But let's start with the one that has been, you know, I think the cream of the crop. The best win of the season was the Warriors' victory. It was a 123-117 victory. Um, it did take place a little bit ago, so we're not going to go super in-depth in it, but the performances from the star players in Rip City warrant some discussion. And first and foremost, mm. let's give Eric Gunderson credit for calling that victory. Yeah, man. Very impressive. And 
it only took Dame, CJ, and Nurt combining for, what, 88 points, Dame getting 44 of those 88, and having to, you know, fend off uh, a 50-point effort from from Kevin Durant, but we held on to that son of a bitch. Like, we got, we mm-hmm. got out 19, 20, maybe 21 points. They tied it at 99, but we never relinquished that lead, and... That was one of the most like nerve-wracking, intense, amazing, every emotion involved type of performances that really showed me this team can compete at a high level. Absolutely. I don't think they would be able to do that over the course of seven games, but it showed me they were pissed off. They they just got destroyed by the Utah Jazz. Um, a couple of nights ago, ruining, I believe, their 9 or 10 game home winning streak. And they came out right from the jump. They caught the Warriors sleepwalking a little bit. Golden State, they did not give up. I mean, they were, they were, they were flowing, they were um, throwing some haymakers at us. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty interesting to see. The Golden State ha- has earned the right to sleepwalk through games. But to go against us, I mean, like, there's that always that narrative about Blazers and Warriors are sort of like a rivalry there, and they 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 didn't sleepwalk through that game. They they definitely fought hard. I mean, Kevin Durant looked unstoppable for portions of the game. Luckily for us, we had our own Superman doing his thing as well, and it really carried over into the All Star game, which. I was pretty pissed off at Mike D'Antoni, and I know you did not feel the same way. You were just like, he, he no, didn't get no, hurt. No. Get him the fuck out of the game. Exactly. That's cool. Yep. And yes, 100% agreement that health is more important than accolades. But at the same time, longtime Blazer fans know the All-Star game always fucks over the Trailblazers. One, the game has never been hail- held in the Rose City because they feel like the hotel situation isn't large enough. I call bullshit. You're here for two, three fucking days. Make it work. We are a a society built on technology. I'm certain we could make it work if not everybody was residing in the same hotels. So I call bullshit Mm. on that reason. So that's one of the big things. And there's Airbnb and stuff like it isn't just like the only living situation. If you go to another city is hotel. I'm sure that some of those people would love to be in their own Airbnb for that weekend, and you could charge so much in flex pricing with that. So Portland and Sacramento are the only two NBA cities never to have been awarded an All-Star game. And it only feeds into the, the you know, I don't want to say it, but I think Portland, as a city, has a little bit of a, of a little brother... Mm. Big brother with Seattle, like Seattle's got, you know, the Seahawks, they they did have the Sonics, they had an all-star game up in Seattle, Seattle has, what, three professional teams, we have two, um, they had four before the Sonics were removed, but, you know, it's it's wanting to be on that same playing field, and the fans are just as rabid, if not more, than in the Emerald City, and this city deserves an all-star game, but it goes deeper than that. In 92, Clyde Drexler put up 25 points in the prime of his career only to get, you know, outshined by Magic Johnson playing in the one game he would play in that entire season after announcing his retirement the previous fall. And he played better than 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 Urban. But because of the storyline, the voters got, you know, caught up in it. Drexler even played to Johnson, gave him the ball, and he hit that three, and it was basically all she wrote. 
The next year, Drexler was voted in as a starter, but Paul Westfall, the then Phoenix Sun head coach, played him like four to six minutes. I remember being eight years old, and me and my mom were just furious at this dude that he wasn't playing Clyde Drexler. Then you go back the past two years, Damian Lillard, complete snub, even though he is a top 10 player in this league. And then he comes out, he, he they were up 13 points. I know it's the All-Star game and the final score doesn't matter, but they were rolling with the reserves on Team Steph. Six minutes left to go, D'Antoni puts in the bullshit starters, and they just flounder the game away. Steph can't hit shit, James Harden's throwing up air balls. Um, just, it was really infuriating because I would have loved for Damian Lillard to have added All-Star Game MVP to his already, you know, continuing Hall of Fame resume. And I know it may not seem like a big deal, but for a fan and as, you know, my favorite player, that that's huge. Like you it it does matter. Like I know people say that All-Star Games don't matter, but when you look at resumes 10 years down the line, you're debating players all-Stars and All-Star MVPs inevitably get brought up. So that's where I was coming from on that stance. No, oh, I, I totally get why people would be upset. But for me, it was like, I'd rather our superstar be healthy and rested for the season. I mean, like, just think about all the crazy, fluky injuries that have happened this year. But Sage, I, I, I was, I was so risk excited last year when your boo won All Star MVP. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Yo, New Year, New Me. I, I, no. I have to be thinking about you know. <laughs> you were so oh, hyped God. when AD scored fifty and won MVP. You were texting oh, me like gosh. crazy. I I I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, you, you can't. I, I, I know you my, can't say this. Shit I know myself. I, I know myself. I was definitely on. I was I was sipping that hype nitus. I, I I you know I I was I was happy eighty one, but I don't know, man. I I, I was I, I was worried about my guys, man. But the the unofficial official second half of the season started off after that all star break. Uh, it was a nine-day layoff between Golden State on Valentine's Day and then Friday night against Utah against what was the hottest team in the NBA. And mm-hmm. I knew this as soon as the All-Star break hit. That was the worst possible time for a break if you're a Jazz player or fan. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, they were they were they were uh, they they were, they were uh, definitely rolling on all cylinders. And Portland went in there and kind of smacked them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until uh, the third quarter that Portland really pulled away, but I cannot remember a time that we destroyed the Jazz like that in Salt Lake City. That has been one of the most difficult places to play over the past 30 to 35 years. And to go in there and win by 19, a 189-81, excuse me, a drubbing was so impressive, even more by the fact that Utah cut it to nine with, I think, three mm. or four minutes yeah, to get, go. I was getting worried for sure. And bro. then CJ just went boom, 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 mid-range, mid-range, mid-range. Nothing. I mean, just just pure. Mm-hmm. The flick of the wrist, the step back, it was over Gobert, over Ingles. I mean, anybody they had, he was getting his shot off, and he looked unstoppable. 26 points, 11 of 21 shooting. Four of seven from downtown. 
His running mate, Dame, chipped in 24 and didn't have the best shooting night, 7 of 18. But what he has done so fantastically as of late, he's gotten to the foul line. 8 of 8, yeah, eight, of eight from the line. And before his performance, um, he went 11 for 15 against Phoenix the, the night afterwards, which we'll talk about in a quick second. I believe Dame rattled off something like 53 or 54 consecutive free throws made over the course of the month of February, which is just incredible. He he definitely, I think he's probably putting up like the second best stats in the NBA right now, just killing it. I mean, he's literally putting the team on his back, realizing that there's no more times to, to stub your toe. You, you can't yeah. lose to the Hawks in Atlanta. You can't lose to the Brooklyn Nets at home. You can't lose when you're up by th- to the Suns. Yeah, you can't lose when you're up by three, and you mm. give some give some team a, a go ahead three pointer. Y- you just can't do those things right now, and it's it's kind of a bummer they didn't have this mindset at the beginning of the season. But it's also unrealistic, I think, to ask Dame to play at this level for seven mm-hmm. months straight. It's just it's not feasible. He needs more help, and I think we are seeing this right now. If Dame doesn't go into God mode, it's very difficult for us to get a victory unless we get solid contributions off the bench, um, star performances from CJ McCollum, and you know we need that third. Nerf. Yeah, we need those third and fourth options. Whether it's a Minu, mm. Nurk, Harkless, um, Evan Turner, Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, we're always relying on two or three of those mm. guys to play at or above their caliber and. That's why the West is is so, so tight right now. I mean, you have the Spurs at 36 and 25 sitting at third, and you have the Utah Jazz at 31 and 29 sitting in 10th, separated by four and a half games. You have a bunch from fourth through eight separated by two and a half games. I mean, it is... I mean, it really is. Every game matters. I, I know I was sitting on, on the couch today. I was watching the Spurs, um, hoping the Cavs would knock them off in Cleveland. Didn't happen. I know you're a Pels fan, but, bud, I was hoping the Bucks would hand, handle business. And they were up 17. Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis took over that game, came back to win in overtime. And, thankfully, the Rockets were able to hang on and knock off the Denver Nuggets. So the, the day wasn't a complete disaster if you're a Trailblazer fan, because if you haven't been scoreboard watching, now is the time to do so. Because literally, a game could separate you from third to to facing the Rockets or the Warriors in the first round. I feel like every day, Blazer fans, Pelicans, Nuggets, Jazz, they have to be scoreboard watching, man. The, these these games are so important, and when two of the teams face off, man, that that's like a must win. But no game signified a must win more than Saturday night. Yeah. Portland goes into the Valley of the Sun already 3-0 in the season series, including that 48-point, you know, just demolition of the Suns. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just what it was. They destroyed that team on opening night, essentially leading to Earl Watson getting fired like less than a week week later. And for a while, it looked like it was going to be, you know, neck and neck. And then Phoenix couldn't miss. And we just decided, Sage, we're just going to keep throwing up threes. 
And mm-hmm. at a certain point, you get kind of annoyed at that strategy. I think we were 4 of 27 or something like that at one point. And Zach Collins actually had a very nice first half. Yeah, his defense was really nice. I mean, he frustrated TJ Warren, Josh, Josh yep. Jackson. Like, dude knows verticality rules really well. And for a dude who's like 19 years old to know that type of like strategy that takes most dudes like eight years to figure out, he he has all the potential in the world to be a really, really good defensive player. And I just was unsure why we went so small because it wasn't like Zach was a pick and pop threat. He had both I think both of his buckets came off of the bounce. Like and he took his 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 defender off the dribble and into the post for two real NBA moves. And, and I know that that may sound like an oxymoron because if you're in the NBA you should be able to make NBA moves, but those are moves that you see a person execute and you think, wow, there is more to his game than we probably expected. And mm-hmm. I, I say that because Travis Outlaw was one of my favorite Blazers growing up. Came straight out of high school. We drafted him late in the 2003 draft. And he was two years away from being two years away. I mean, this kid was raw. He was an athlete, no doubt about it, but he just couldn't put it all together. And then there was a move maybe three or four years into the league where he came down on a fast break on the left side of the court, stopped on a dime, put the ball between his legs, stepped back and hit about a foul line jumper. I think it was maybe over a Mavericks or a Jazz defender. But he made that move and... It's almost like it clicked and you saw that the potential was turning into a reality that all the time was in the gym was paying off. And my point to all wasn't of it with Monty? Yes, Monty Williams. And my point to all of this is we're already seeing it from Zach Collins. We thought he would be more of a project, but if he can continue to put the ball on the floor and score similar to Pat Connaughton, who was mostly just a spot up three point shooter coming into this season. It shows you that they're, they've got not only more room to grow, but they're starting to see that come to fruition. And I think that's a really positive sign if you're a Blazer fan looking for um, immediate dividends now, but also something that could pay off in the future. Why do people have such a negative uh, feeling towards Travis Outlaw? You know what? I don't know. I think like Myers Leonard and, you know, even Jarrett Jack. There are just some players. Well, for one, Blazer fans can kind of be assholes. I think let's put that out there. They always have to have a scapegoat. And for whatever reason, there is a player every era in Blazer basketball that is either you love him or you hate him or, you know, he's just a scapegoat. People want to blame them for everything. Some people thought Travis Outlaw made stupid plays and had a low basketball IQ. I saw him as kind of not a visionary, but a little ahead of his time. He was in a small forwards body doing things at the power forward position that we're seeing now. He was the, one of the few stretch fours, even 10 years ago. I mean, similar to what Cliff Robinson was being able to play the the three through five, 20 years ago, Travis was able to take a, a bigger, but slower man and take him out in the perimeter and dance with him either going to the cup or pulling up for his, you know, uh, mid-range jumper. And what I loved most about Travis 
was that he was clutch. So that's when people say you have a low basketball IQ, I kind of, I disregard it a bit. You know that the low basketball IQ players still know more about basketball than any of us. Thank you. I talk crap about Tyreek Evans because he never dribbled up the court. He would always be on the baseline. But you you know what? If you put me on the court, I might do the same thing Tyreek did. So even the most dumb basketball IQ people, like, this is what they've been practicing for their entire lives. Of course, they're going to know the intricacies of the game a little better than us who have been sitting on our ass watching them play, play the game. And you know Clyde Drexler? Never went left. He went to his right and he dribbled with his head down. But you know what? He's a top 50 greatest player of all time. So... Take your dumb basketball IQ argument and kind of stick up your ass because these guys are outperforming in front of millions and they're getting it done. I still remember there was a game in Atlanta. Brandon was our go-to guy. Nate draws up the play. It's an ISO. Josh Smith, one of the best perimeter defenders in the game, is on Travis. Clock's winding down. Atwa takes the shot at the right time. And drains a three right in Smith's face. And that was when I think he finished second or third in the sixth man of the year voting. Like, he was so clutch for us. And, you know, I think a dumb basketball player probably goes too quick. Maybe dribbles the ball off their foot. You know, gets themselves into a position where there is really no light. But he was cool, calm, and collected. And I think it all had to do with Monty Williams. Um, I think as soon as Monty Williams left, I mean, we've seen Travis really hasn't been the same player. So certain players do need that coaching. We have seen that with Myers and Kim Hughes. Myers has not been the same player since Kim Hughes was fired for leaking that LaMarcus Aldridge uh, news uh, uh, three summers ago. So I think there's just so much more that goes into a player than just what the, what, what meets the eye. And I know we went off on a little bit of a tangent, but when Terry Stotts went small phoenix made the run we were killing them inside and you know i'm a sure baz guy like i love i love bazzy but dude was o of 10 and o of 7 from three he couldn't throw it in the ocean if he wanted it to i just didn't see a, a need to go that small and we saw portland really kind of turn it around a little bit when we were able to put evan turner on a devin booker i thought turner had some pretty good moments on booker you know, for what Devin was able to put up, he had 30 points, but it took him 28 shots to get there. It seemed like he killed it in, like, the late third and early fourth. And then Troy Daniels, can we just sign him or trade for him? Because he always seems to get that three on us. He, he Didn't he have 11 on seven shots? Yes, three of six from downtown. Yeah, I mean, like, it seems like every game, every time the Suns make a run, Troy Daniels was involved in, a, in some way. If you're a Suns fan, though, obviously the loss helped you, but... As, I think that team wanted to win, though. Yes, yes, obviously. But at what point do you just need new management? Because I was texting you this because I was watching the game, and their lottery picks are awful. Are they the worst team at picking high in the lottery in the NBA? I think you'd have to go to the Kings. But they're they're close. I didn't they sign didn't they uh have a new GM this year? 
No, I think I that Brian McDonough has been there for uh, a while. Though those teams that are always in the lottery, you know, the culture isn't good. So, like, even when they pick Josh Jackson, it's like he his ceiling is really high. But is he gonna be able to reach that ceiling in Phoenix? I I don't know we, about we that. We debated this during draft. I wasn't high on Josh Jackson. I think he's going to have more of a Tyrus Thomas career than what every team really thought of him. And I know there was a lot of crazy offers trying to move up and take him. Um, you essentially draft the same player in Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Uh, Chris mm. is a slightly more athletic player, but both love to hang around the perimeter. Um, Alex Lynn was taken super high and hasn't panned out. Um, I remember the, the, the narrative on him was he was going to be like this crazy good defender. But, I mean, the Suns didn't even pick his option up this no. year. I mean, yes, he had a great night. He had 11 and, thir- 11 and 13 mm-hmm. on seven shots, so he definitely had a nice night. But the problem is it's not consistent. When they draft well, it's when a player falls to them late in the lottery, like TJ Warren and Devin Booker, like where you have to just be moronic not to not to pick those players. But, you know, if you're in the running for the number one pick, if you're a Suns fan right now, you kind of have to be scared for your life that you're going to just – Fuck it up, essentially. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. The Kings are up there. Uh, Orlando is up there. There's a reason teams are always in the lottery, mm-hmm. and it's not because... The process. The process. It's because you can't fucking draft a, a good player. And our friend Espo, I was reading on Twitter, he's he's ready to give up on the NBA draft. He's like, if if Portland's ready to give up one of their point guards, I'll give up our top three pick. And... It's just, it's got to be so frustrating. At least with the Blazers during the Kevin Pritchard years, we knew he was a good drafter. Neil O'Shea, that's his badge, uh, his badge of honor Mm -hmm. right there. He's a good drafter. I don't know why Sam Hinkie does not have a job. Yes, he he whiffed on a couple. Um, There were rumors he was pressured into taking Jaleel Okafor because he was considered a quote-unquote safe pick and he wanted to take Porzingis because, you know, Embiid hadn't played. Um, Sarge hadn't came over yet. They already traded Michael Carter Williams. Like he was getting a lot of heat, but you know what? No team is better set up for the future than the Philadelphia 76ers. And, it, and all it takes is hitting twice. You know, yes, they were there a while, but they hit. It hit hard. So the, the Suns game, how are you feeling in the third and the fourth quarter before uh, Dame put on a super Superman game? Oh, it was over. In my, I texted you. It was over. I was like, so whenever I know a game is over, I kind of just, just watch. It's kind of stone-faced. I don't get energetic. Like, I don't like to get my hopes up. I just, I hate the feeling of being on a roller coaster. I, I you know, I just don't want to, you know, get really excited and then, Phoenix come back and hit a couple reasons and get really excited. So I'm just, you know, try to stay even keel. You know, when Dame had that amazing putback dunk, no reaction. I was just like, okay, two, two points, like whatever. Hopefully it gets them going. But I think they scored on a fast break layup right after that. And I was like, eh, good thing I stayed, you know, kind of calm because there was no point in getting excited. I started to really get excited when we started getting defensive stops and we were pushing the, the tempo. And then when that, that three, from Dame, I think that cut it to five or four off the, out of the top of the key. When that went in, I was like, okay, you know, we might have a chance now. But when you're down 13 with like six or seven minutes to go, 
it's pretty bleak no matter who you're playing in the NBA. Even though we, we just crapped on the Suns for a while, they got Devin Booker, they got TJ Warren who really played his ass off that game. Like they 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 might not have a lot of talent, but they had enough talent to kick our ass for a quarter and a half. How worried are you that Dame basically has to go into God mode every night for us to win? He had to go to go- in God mode to beat the Suns. The Suns, who, like, defensively are the worst team in the NBA. Like, they push the pace fast, and then they don't care about defense. Like, I agree, Dame should body that team, but it shouldn't be in 40-plus minutes. Like, that, 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 the win was great, and I'm happy we got it, but Dame had to put on that Superman cape, man, and to, to I don't know how sustainable though, that is. To play devil's advocate. Doesn't James Harden have to go into God mode every night? Didn't Russ have to go into God mode every night last year? Isn't this what the greats are supposed to do? Yeah, but I would like isn't Anthony, us isn't Anthony to... Davis doing that right now? Yeah, but at least Anthony has Drew Holiday to put in thirty nine. I mean, I would say CJ McCollum's a better player than Drew Holiday. May- yeah, I would too. But in some nights, CJ's. Just chucking. Oh, abs- Dame has some, absolutely. But Dame, but, yeah, Dame, Dame needs some help. But all I'm saying is, outside of the Warriors, who have you know four All Stars, the best teams in the league. Yes, some of them have you know I think really good talent and depth. Most, most often that comes to mind is the Spurs, obviously with Popovich. The Raptors, they've got a really solid team. But when you go up and down that Western Conference and that and that East, I mean Cleveland, that's LeBron. You know Boston really took that next step once once Kyrie came over there. Um, you got Houston with Harden; they did a lot of their damage without Chris Paul. Um, Nola with AD, Portland with with Dame. You know I I just see these these teams, and it, it seems like this is just what the big boys do. It's not good for the depth of our team to like. Dame needs to go superhuman against the Suns. It's unfortunate that it, that it happened against the Suns, but I just think it goes to show how important Damian Lillard is to this team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think we had, we had Neela on maybe a month or so ago, and her opinion was that this is probably Dame's finest. Like, this is, this is his prime right now. Mm-hmm. I argued I still think he's got a couple of levels to go, and I think he's showing that right now. Uh, he has 197 points over his last five games. That means this dude's averaging almost 40 fucking points a night, and he's doing it against Utah, uh, the hottest team in the league. He's doing it against Golden State. Utah twice. Two great defensive yes, teams. back-to-backs, you know, yeah. road games. Um, he's doing it when we need it most, and... I think there's just something really special about him, and obviously we don't want him to have to do it for every night, but to know you have a guy that's not going to let you lose, Mm -hmm. it's a really good feeling to have. Did you see the Twitter post going around? I think Myers Leonard actually retweeted it. I don't know if you're blocked by him. I'm surprisingly not, but like... uh, I am not. Yeah, like Dame is putting up Derrick Rose MVP level stats right now. I mean, Derrick Rose, they created the Rose rules about him because he was so dominant, and Dame's putting up comparable and sometimes in 
better stats than Derrick Rose in that year. That's the type of that's the type of player that we have on the team right now. Transcendency. I mean, he's averaging over twenty six, six and a half assists, four four point six rebounds, uh, shooting thirty seven from three, forty five from the field, uh, a steal per game. But I much better defense than any other time in its career. That was those two points, and you made one of them for me right there. His defense has been much improved this year, and Portland's record. Post Lamarcus, this is the really the the best we've looked. You know, two the last two years we've had to have a spark that's taken us from way under five hundred to and lofting us into the playoffs. We've been firmly secured in the playoffs basically the entire year. There's just an intangible factor that you just can't put a statistical value on. I don't know if it's a clutchness, if it's a leadership, if it's a a determination. Maybe it's something. That's all rolled up into one, but he has it. The quote-unquote it. The the X factor. Damian Lillard is a special player. And, you know, in February, he's going off for 32 points, 6 assists, and 4 boards. And he's still got a game to go. I think we're witnessing, and, and I said this during the Warriors game, he is the best point guard in the entire NBA. I will argue that till I'm blue in the face. I think if you put him on Boston, Boston has... The same record, if not better. You put him on Golden State, again, same record, if not better. Same thing with Oklahoma City, same thing with Houston. I don't think that guys like Paul, Westbrook, or Curry are and Irving are, are head and shoulders above him, like maybe what the media makes it makes it out to be, because he plays in Portland and he doesn't, you know, average triple double like Westbrook. And, you know, he's He's not on national TV every single Saturday and Sunday like like those um, counterparts. but Or doesn't have national media spots like Steph with the Brita ads and stuff like that. You know, he, he does have um, you know his music, and he's very prominent in Adidas, and I think he does have a really awesome shoe line, and he does a lot of great marketing for himself. You know, he's marketed better than I think any player really could be in Portland, mm. um, given our market size. But, you know, Sage, if, if we're being, you know, real, I honestly, to God, think he is the best point guard in the game. You know, we were talking on text. I think he's probably a top six or seven guy right now in the, yeah, in right the entire now. league. And honestly, the only player putting up better stats in this, like, little portion of the second half of the year is Anthony Davis. And, dude, be number two? That's pretty crazy. And, I mean, that 2012 draft had so much talent, bro. And he's only 27. Like That's why I think there, there's more in the tank for Dame. But that, again, you need to get him some help in the summer so he doesn't have to do this on a nightly basis. But to know he's able to do that, I think it, it, it's special. And everyone knows I loathe Kobe Bryant. With that said, every time we would play the Lakers, there is that fear that no matter how big of a lead you have, this dude could go nuclear and erase it in a quarter. Dame has some of that in his game. He just has that spark that all it takes is one three, one foot back dunk. He gets that look in his eye and he's hitting shots that no human should be able to hit. I mean, he gets to the cup, he's he's hitting threes, he's finding the open man, he's, he's dribbling into traffic, you're getting to the foul line. He has just... An innate sense of when the team needs him. 
And I think that's something that he's done better at than Kobe. Kobe would probably try to do that way too often. I think Dame does a good job of, probably to a fault, I would say, of trying to get his teammates involved early or maybe waiting a little too long to turn it on. But I, I just, I, I really think he, he's the best. And if Portland keeps this up, gets home court advantage in the first round, I don't know how you keep him off the first or second all-NBA teams. With, with our roster in the Western Conference, if you're third or fourth, come on. He's got to be there. The last, I think, the last bit of breaking news, and I, I don't think you, you really care about it, but do you? What do you think about the Brandon Rush signing? I have no reaction to that. He's probably just there to be a practice body. The last show we actually did with Eric, there was a lot of talk about what would be the lightning in the bottle. What would be our lightning in the bottle? And when we traded Noah, it was like, all right, we have one roster spot. Are we going to use it? I know the the main goal was to stay under the cap, but with such little time left, we could have uh, every 10 day is about $80,000. If we found that, that lightning in the bottle, I think it is only a good thing with how bad uh, Neil O'Shea is in the, in the uh, hot seat. If he finds that guy that, you know, could, provide that spark like you know tyrone wallace did with the clippers uh mecca okafor is doing with the pelicans it's only a good thing so i don't think brandon rush is that guy but at least dude's looking for it and i think that that that's a good thing to see from from our gm using that that last roster spot for something good maybe i mean like i know roddy boubois is putting up major numbers in the Euro league why don't we try him out for 10 days see if he sticks I mean, I'm just glad he's doing something. We're already trying to cut down the rotation outside of, you know, major injuries to multiple players, you know, knocking on wood everywhere, you know, I can. I I don't see how a 10 day is going to impact this team. Neil Olshay had his chance at the deadline to bring somebody in to use the trade exception. Um, Didn't do it. He has to live with that until the offseason. This is the team. Because Neil couldn't get anything done at the deadline. Uh, but what if we find a small forward on the market like Anthony Brown? I, I think he might have been signed by Minnesota. But what if we find a dude that's killing it in the D League, G League, and he spells Evan Turner for five minutes a game? Shit. I mean, anything helps. If 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 dude gets hot one game and we win because of an Anthony Brown signing. Good job, Neil. You used that dra- that that <laughs> empty roster spot. I'm not really hoping for much, but a little bit of a spark to help us win a game or two. You know, try and find that guy, Neil. I'm not buying your Neil um, fandom tonight, bud. If given the situation, and I was the GM, which would met- probably be a big mistake by Portland, I I would be trying to find that guy. So I'm glad that that Neil tries. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, still, just, I still want him fired. I don't I think it takes that gone. much effort to find a 10-day guy. I mean, let, let's let's be honest here. If Dame doesn't go superhero over this past two weeks, we're looking like... Oh, yeah, I mean, like, it, it all depends on... We are on the 10th seed. We probably stars. don't make yeah. the playoffs. Neil is gone. Like, what Neil is doing now has no effect on team performance. It's Dame. Damian Lillard is, is carrying this team. Not Terry Stotts. Not Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum. It's Damian Lillard's team. He is 
by all accounts, the coach, the GM, and the player, the star player. Like, he is doing everything humanly possible to win games. And I just, I don't want to give Neil credit for signing a 10-day guy when he completely, you know, dropped, dropped the ball. And he continues to drop the ball. So, you know, I know you're trying to lighten the, the mood and, you know, give him credit there. But Sage, by all accounts, any decent basketball fan could could have found a 10-day contract. Hell, we could have reached back out to Anthony Morrow. He had a good uh, preseason for us. And he could have been the 10th man or the 10-day 10, 10 contract guy. Neil, if you're listening, and I know you are, try and find that lightning in the bottle. One half of Holy Backford really wants you to try and do it. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we uh, predict the games for this week? Jimmy Butler. Oh, God, that sucks. Has the meniscus. Same thing that Brandon Roy had out indefinitely. He's definitely one of my favorite players, man. I I hope he is selfish and decides to recover fully before trying to play basketball because... It would be it, it would be a damn shame for him to be permanently affected by this 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 injury. And then we have Kawhi Leonard, who Greg Popovich said likely will not return this season. That that situation is so weird. Um, a thing going around on Twitter is: Would you trade CJ for Kawhi Leonard? I mean, as long as his physical came back and you you were hundred percent. I mean, absolutely. I mean, no, still yeah. no disrespect to CJ. CJ is one of my favorite guys on the team, but that that is your Chris Paul move. That is your Chris Paul move if you're Neil O'Shea. Like that brings the team to, oh, we can actually compete for a title. I mean, Ka- the pairing of Dame and Kawhi would be pretty pretty fantastic. Healthy as Kawhi well. and healthy Dame, you have two top seven players in the league. You can win a title with two top seven players. You would need, you know, obviously your role players to step up, but you were in the conversation. So, I mean, obviously I think it's going to take a weird situation for Portland to land that type of player, but um, what do you... The Spurs are kind of a weird situation right now, though. <laughs> I mean... I mean, obviously you have New Orleans without Boogie Cousins. Um, the, the Thunder just can't seem to put any t- sort of consistency together. Um, as Blazer fans, we complain about that, but I think they've been even worse uh, down in OKC. Denver surprisingly continues to play extremely well, almost beats the Rockets tonight, getting great production out of Will Barton. But yeah, Paul Millsap is continuing uh, to rehab. Um, obviously, yeah, obviously the Clippers traded Blake. Um, Utah is really relying on a rookie and Donovan Mitchell. So that. And so, obviously, Houston and Golden State, they're going to stay at the top. But we'll do this maybe every show. Sage, where do you think Portland's going to end up right now? At 34 and 26, knowing the the outlook of the West, the health, the current health of all teams, um, where do you see them finishing? Fifth. Uh, I felt so comfortable with sixth. I thought that's what they, where they were going to stay, but with that Butler injury and with how Dame's been playing, I'm, I'm thinking that they'll end up being the fifth seed. What about you? Who, what other teams do you envision finishing above them? Man, you know what? It could it could potentially be the fourth. 
I don't want to count out the Spurs because of Pop, but I mean, with Butler, they could potentially be fourth, and the min- they just flip flop with Minnesota being fifth, and then man, <sighs> you know what? I- I- I'm gonna roll with fifth, but I could totally see them ending in the fourth place. I gotta go third. Damn. So they just go on a run with Dame playing really, really well. Well, and- we're only one game back in the lost column of third. Both of the teams in front of Portland have major, not minor, major health concerns. Minnesota has a gauntlet coming up of a schedule. San Antonio knows now that they have to lean on LaMarcus Aldridge and a bunch of role players to get it done. Portland, like we, we said this before in the two or three years that we've done this podcast, what does it take when you're trying to compare teams either fighting for a playoff spot fighting to make the playoffs or just, you know, jockeying for position. What team has the best player? It's Damian Lillard, and, and he's carrying this team. And we have some winnable games coming up. It's very home-friendly. We do not have a, a really huge road trip that we have to uh, take into consideration. Uh, I think the last – we have two three-game road trips left on the schedule. Both are March and April. So you've got OKC, New Orleans, and Memphis. Then you've got Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. What I love about the Blazers, oh, excuse me, four games. Uh, they play the Nuggets as well. What I love about the schedule is it allows them to determine their destiny. You play the Nuggets. You play the Spurs. Um, you play the Pelicans. You play the Thunder twice. Um, you play the Timberwolves. And then you also play the Jazz. You have a chance to go out there and just saying, we want this spot. We're going to take it from you. We're not going to rely on, you know, other teams uh, losing or getting, you know, getting upset on the road, um, anything like that. They're going to go out there and they are going to put their best performance forward because this team plays their best basketball against quality opponents. It's they don't have that Spurs ability to just treat every opponent as, as one and go in there with your own internal uh, drive. They're still young in developing their consistency, but they play their best ball against the best teams. And I think the game against Utah after the All-Star break set the tone to be away for nine days after your best win of the season, playing the team with the hottest record in the league, to beat them by 19 really spoke volumes and then to find that grit to really find a way to win in a situation that nine times out of 10, that's not going to, you're not going to come out on top. I think that showed a lot. And I know we've all been disappointed by the Blazers multiple times this year, winning three, losing four, winning four, losing three. Right now is kind of put up or shut up time because they've got 22 games left. I think if they can go 16 and six, get to 50 wins, that 13 is theirs. You know, I did a couple, you know, I played Schedule Maker, you know, quite a few times a day, looking at the schedule, seeing how they could win. It's going to be tough. Um, I could easily see 8 to 10 losses. Um, but there's going to be some games that they're going to have to take care of, and it really starts this week. Uh, it is a home-heavy schedule featuring the Sacramento Kings, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Oklahoma City Thunder. Just an amazing assortment of opponents that each carry 
their own individual clouts. Uh, you've got the Kings coming in on Tuesday. Portland needed 50 from Dame, but they did blow out the Kings 118-100 uh, just a couple of weeks ago on February 9th. Dame did not need to play in the fourth quarter of that one. Sacramento, for all intended purposes, wants to lose this game. There are, God, there are like six or seven, maybe nine teams jockeying for that number one pick, and the Kings are one of them. There's like at least four teams in the West, two teams in the East with 18 wins, so you have to figure the Kings don't want any part of this victory, but it will be on Portland to jump out from the get-go. I don't want to see a performance like the Suns where... For a lot of the game, Phoenix was out hustling us. Yeah, they wanted that victory, man. If Portland shows up and shows up hard and just hits them with that strong first punch, you know Sacramento really doesn't want to be there. So if Portland disincentivizes them from playing hard, we can, we might be resting our starters in the fourth quarter, but we have to show up and show up heavy in that first that first quarter. And you know, I think this is going to be a really good game for Maurice Harkless to continue his his great performances. I think he had six steals um, against Utah. He was playing the passing lanes like a defensive back. He set the tone in the Phoenix game uh, with the dunk and the steal with the assist to Aminu to go up to go up four zero. Um, I think this is a, another great outing for Mo to hit those corner threes to space the floor, but more importantly, get active on the defensive end. I think Portland needs to force turnovers and get out on the break, get easy easy buckets. As is the case when you play any inferior opponent, Portland needs to be up 10 pretty early. They need to put their foot on the pedal. And like you said, let's rest those starters in the fourth, and we need to win the hustle board. Hustle board, steals, blocks, rebounds. If we win those combined categories, we will win this game. Uh, one thing Portland needs to be concerned about is the free throw battle. One way teams get, just hang around is if you foul them, you get into the bonus early, and not only do they see the ball go through the hoop, but they're, but they're scoring with the clock stopped. And that's just easy points for NBA players. And, you know, the Kings front office may not want to win, but those players sure as hell do. So it's important. Yeah, you've... Yeah, Zebo, you think he really wants to tank right now? Vince, Vince Carter? Carter? Yeah, those dudes want to play and win. So, But I'm sure this season's wearing on them, and they want to... If, if it doesn't look like they have a chance, I don't think they'll be trying that hard. You think it's a Mo Harkless game? Mo Harkless and also Evan Turner defensively. Um, watch out for, I think, I think it's Boyan Bogdanovich. Mm -hmm. um, he had a really strong game against the Lakers on, I believe it was Saturday night, uh, looking like the only decent piece they got out of that 2016 draft, where they traded from 8 to 13 with the Sac with the Phoenix Suns, taking uh, Papa George Papadinkus or Papadonkus, uh, whatever. Do you remember when Cousins was pissed about that Lord, one? Or give me strength because they already cut that dude, but they got Boyan in the trade. From Phoenix, mm -hmm. who was a late uh, a late first round pick the year before, but Buddy can get buckets, and I'm not talking Buddy Heal, mm -hmm. I'm talking Boyan. Uh, I think we're going to need Evan and CJ both just to focus on defense because you know they they've got scores like like Devin Booker. They've got guys who really are, are playing for nothing to lose. 
And s- I mean, and and that certainty of that next contract potentially. If you put put up buckets, maybe a team wants to trade for you or something. But I I think the the person that's gonna do the most work is gonna be Dame Lillard. I mean, De'Aaron Fox and Frank Mason, they're not ready to stop a Damian Lillard, and especially with a Damian Lillard this hot. I could see him eating up that 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 Sacramento backcourt. There isn't really anybody that is gonna put any. Like resistance against him in the backcourt, like George Hill's gone, so it's really De'Aaron's team. That could, that could be buckets. That could be barbecue chicken for 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 Dame to just get biz. So the the Blazers are gonna chill, put in the finishers f- to finish out that game. The the bench guys. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I. That's how I see it. I just. <laughs> Show up. Blazers need to just show up for this game. Which brings Portland to an all-important divisional battle against the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, on Thursday. I believe it is a TNT game. And the Timberwolves will not have Jimmy Butler, as was the case earlier this month when Portland, I think, played up to that point one of their finer finer games. Oh yeah, a, da- a damn good a game. A 123-114 victory over the Wolves where it looked like Minnesota was going to really jump out. Uh they were Yeah, Wiggy was getting anything he wanted at the basket, right? He was. He had 24 on 11 of 17, but you know, again, it was a Damon CJ combined for 59 points, but you also get 15 from Chief on 6 of 9 shooting. You get 12 from Pat on 5 of 9 shooting. Uh, 11 and 10 from Ed Davis, who shot a perfect three of three. So you got a balanced performance. What I will be interested in is to see if Portland can take advantage of the Wolves without Jimmy Butler once again. And how will Yusuf Nurkic play? Because he only played 20 minutes that game, six points, three rebounds, a complete non-factor. And it was really Ed Davis that was playing those big minutes down the stretch and doing Ed Davis things. I don't know if we can beat this team again with 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 Nurk performing so poorly. What is the recipe for Nurkic to play well? It seems like it's either a star big like a uh, Joel Embiid or random shit talk like what is it that makes him tick that makes him motivated to play basketball because i i assume that he would do well against rudy gobert but a week ago he you know did two stupid fouls and sat out a half and then you know his back hurt so what is it that makes him motivated to play basketball i think you have to get him involved early especially in the pick and roll Get him good looks where he's finishing at the rim, maybe an and one, preferably preferably a block on the defensive end, just a big momentum play that gets him, go- that just ignites him. I think you see when he plays with emotion, he tends to play a little bit better, plays a little bit more engaged, and he starts hitting those shots that he normally wouldn't hit if it's just a regular, you know, going through the motions type of performance. So I think especially going into March, like we saw last year when when we acquired him, that's when the fever hit. Not expecting an outbreak again this year, but 
I think he plays best when the team knows that they're relying on him. And we're going to need him to play huge this week to go 3-0 and continue our, our climb mm-hmm. up the Western Conference ladder. So, last year, or last, uh, one of those games versus Minnesota this year, Nurk had one hell of a first quarter because we did the pick and roll, and and then the Wolves did uh, adjusted to it, and we just couldn't get our offense rolling. Am I remembering a game right where Nurk just was outrageously hot in the first quarter no that's what happened but that's up to terry stotts to find alternative ways to get him involved there, there has to be a contingency plan off of that pick and roll yeah i mean like once taj gibson you know crash harder on the the help we kind of went away from the pick and roll in general and we can't really afford to do that like we we have nurk we need to be able to run a pick and roll effectively it, it isn't mason Plumley anymore I think Dame's going to be too much. CJ as well. There is no Jimmy Butler. And CJ defends Wiggy surprisingly well, yeah, right? Yeah, I just don't think Jeff Teague and Tyus Jones. No, no, no. And then, I mean, that bench is so, so untalented. Just the, the with, with a Thibodeau team, you run your starters pretty heavy. So... One if the bench shows up for Portland, they're gonna get the win. Yeah, bench play is huge. We cannot let we can't let Jamal Crawford go off, but Yeah, can't let the old man get busy. I like Portland to win this one. Uh they know how important it is. We would be tied with Minnesota um in the season series, and I think the the final tiebreaker or the next tiebreaker would come down to division, which Again, Portland's going to have a lot of division games. It's open, but right now yeah, we're open. four back of them in the division race. They're nine and two. We're five and six. Uh, that's going to have to change. But you don't give yourself a chance to earn that tiebreaker if you lose this one. It's too important for Portland. Um, this again starts a murderer's row schedule for the Timberwolves. Dame, this is going to be a Dame game um, on national yeah, television. Absolutely. You got Portland as well. Yeah. The final game of this week is. The third of four contests against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and is this in the Rose Garden? Yes, it is. It'll be Saturday night. Okay. That that changes a lot because Russell gets in his emotions a lot when when he's in the Rose Garden. He like picks fights and tries to to play Dame's game, like match him three for three, and that really isn't his game. I think if you're Portland. You have to try to let Russ go one-on-one and just beat you. I think what happens when Oklahoma City, whenever I watch them play and they're doing well, it's when Adams is getting busy off of the pick and roll, whether it's off the bounce pass or off the oop. It's, you know, they're, they're role players like uh, Abreens and Terrence Ferguson uh, spotting up and hitting those open threes off of the driving dish. You got Mello working the two-man game with with Russ, and then just Paul George playing like a superstar, which he's done in spurts this year. I think you can beat the Thunder if one of those guys goes off. You really have to keep the others in check, and it comes to almost an endurance test. You know, um, Andre Robertson being out for the rest of the year really affects that team, especially on the defensive end. I, they could have done so many cool things with Roberson and Paul George defensively. Like, just think if that team was healthy, matched up against 
the Warriors, they could switch one through five really easy. With with Roberson out, I mean that hurts. Like it, it seems like all these injuries have been put in place so the Portland Trailblazers could sort of thrive with all of these teams missing key components. Like, and we've been healthy, man. Knock on wood, that's that thing stays the same. But like, Roberson definitely is a huge loss with the the, the defensive presence. I I I I think I think. We win this game because of the Rose Garden fans getting in Russ's head, getting him emotional because when he plays emotional, he isn't the Russell Westbrook that's like a top seven, eight player. So uh, people at the game, be loud and hope that you get him all up in his feelings so he tries to play Dame's game. I think it's going to be the Blazer backcourt is just going to play. I think it's going to be a similar game to the Warriors. It's going to be a duel. The stars are going to shine. But Damon and CJ are just going to be a little bit too much. We're going to have too much depth. Um, look for there's two factors I, I I need to point out. Shabazz Napier versus Raymond Felton. Ray or Shabazz needs to win that matchup. Felton played extremely well the first game in the Rose Garden. The fans bo- yeah the, the fans booed him and he fed off of that. If you're going to the game, probably don't boo Ray. He really thrives on that negativity and. We cannot have him outperforming Shabazz. The second one is going to be offensive rebounds and second chance points. Uh, this is what Steven Adams, this is what he, he make. this is his MO. We need Ed Davis. We need uh, Fizz Ed, Nurk, um, Zach Collins. We need our bigs to rebound. And it's also going to be important for Dame and CJ, who's ever defending Russell, to box him out and keep him off the glass. Limit them to limit them to one shot but um maybe it's because we've won three in a row i don't know i I, I, dame's playing really well and the team is winning and unfortunate circumstances with injuries that it's just the in the blazers favor like if if butler was there i don't know if i would be saying the blazers win so confidently and then i just for whatever reason, Russ doesn't play like himself in Portland. And if the Blazers are to get to three seed, like I anticipate, they have to win all three. I think yep. Portland wins a nail-biter. It might even be another game-winner from Dame. But, Sage, my laptop is getting ready to die, so I think that's the sign that it's time to wrap this bad boy up. Um, thank you to all of our listeners out there. Uh, you can find this podcast, Holy Backboard, on Stitchers, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, um, on Dash Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Um, and we Pacific, Pacific time. time. We are also on social, uh, at Holy Backboard, on Facebook, Twitter, and the Graham. Sage, any final words before my computer dies? Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate everybody who listens and... You know, give us a nice review, five stars on iTunes. That really helps the podcast, and it lets iTunes know whose fans are the most passionate and the most active. So if you if you fuck with us, five star us. It, it takes literally three seconds to just five star us and say something nice. Say like, I I, I love Dustin's two K memory. No, not two K memories. That's me. Blazer memories. Go Blazers, 3-0 week. Game for MVP. We out.
Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.